welcome in to another episode of Too Many Points on the Tell Me More podcast. I'm your host, Mac Moore, and we brought back some of the usual guests. We got Bobby G down there in the corner. We got Shane Jackson. And for the first time, uh, this has been long overdue. We brought on Justin Pemberton, who uh, helped me stay in the, the content game, coming out to uh, the, the Sports Radio 810 to uh, record some, some shows for him on uh, radioactive sports, which without that, I would have just been stocking shelves for a while, but uh, got, got me juiced up, got me talking about sports and never really stopped. So Justin, thanks for joining the show. Uh, we're happy to have you on. And for the first day, I will only be mean to Bobby and I'll be nice to you for a while, but uh, we're, we're going to get going. Marco back. <laughs> Marco may just randomly jump in and I have no idea what to do if we have five people out here. So this is this might be the worst podcast we've ever done. So uh, just send the bar as low as possible. And now let's knock it out of the fucking park. Uh, we're going to start with NFL coverage. And this was a, a fun week uh, that, you know, normally I would not give Bobby this. I would just skip the game. But since we do have the opposing team that went down, we have to talk about the Pats surprising all of us by taking down the Ravens 23-17. And uh, Bobby, we want you to explain the game while Shane cries in the background uh, as the music to, to go over your monologue. Bobby, talk to us about what happened, because even as a Pats fan, you did not expect this to happen. You actually were banking on the opposite happening. So uh, what happened in this game? What happened is I spent $200 this week, got a lot of new clothes, and now I can't even do a bit. That's what happened. Because all the Patriots had to do this whole year is you had Cam Newton, you have no one to throw to, you can kind of run the ball. Okay, cool. Guys, like, your defense is gone, Gilmore is gone. Like, all you have to do is tank, guys. I want you to tank, please. No. Bill Belichick, you know, calls up the weatherman and says, hey, make it rain, guys. We know Lamar Jackson can't really throw to begin with. Let's make sure he can't even grip the ball. Like, Fantastic running back. Okay, passer. Now we have a good running back and a really shitty passer. That's Cam Newton. Now we want to talk about Lamar Jackson. Well, I mean, like, they look good to begin with. Just figured out if we run the ball, his defense won't figure this out. So they just ran HB dive all game. That's fantastic. This is a this is galaxy brain. No way to stomp. Stout Ravens defense will figure this out. And no way am I going to lose my fantasy matchup because of this. One of those is true. I completely lost my fantasy matchup because of this. And they keep ruining the tank. They ruined my bid. I can't even be like, I'm like kind of happy because I won a, the sports pick on it. But I mean, I really don't have a hot take on this because I think if this was a, you know, a game where the weather was good, you know, the like, Ravens 100% blew them out. But just because, you know, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they're practicing in the rain all week. It's a tough weather team. Damien Harris looks great. It really explains the uh, why you should never draft a running back in the first round when Sony Michelle's a complete afterthought <clears throat> now when you have Damien Harris. But, I mean, I'll pass it off to Shane. I really don't have any hot takes in this game. I think, I think it was honestly, you know, outside the usual Lamar Jackson jokes, it's just an unfortunate game where the weather paid a, played a huge role. And I think if this was played on neutral turf in neutral weather, it wouldn't have been a close game at all. All right. And, you, I mean, we could blame the weather, but 
it is important to point out this is uh, the second uh, loss in three games for the Ravens. And so with those other losses and looking even with this one where you could try to put an asterisk just because, uh, you know, how can you stop Bill Belichick from controlling the weather and just ruining it for you? But right now, are the Ravens in panic mode? Shane, as a as a Ravens fan, are you panicked? I Or should they be panicked? Uh, depends on your expectations going into this year. I thought, you know, everyone wanted to lump the Ravens into this Chiefs contention. You know, that was the betting odds. And, and I thought, hey, there's going to be some regression this year. That They're not that level of team. And uh, obviously, this that game, I didn't expect to go the way it did. Bobby put, put it out, put it really well, though. I mean, we like to have these takes of primetime games, um, especially when Lamar is playing those primetime games. But really, the weather impacted a lot of this. Um, the Ravens were down at one point. Their three best defense linemen. Their run defense was really bad as a result. And the Patriots, as Bobby alluded to, practiced in this type of weather. So to me, I mean, that's the big takeaway is, that there really isn't a big takeaway. I, you can talk about the Ravens season in a whole, but now they are probably about where I thought they were going to be. They're, they're a team that's still going to be in the playoffs. They're still, going, they're still going to be in contention, but they were never Chiefs-level Super Bowl contender. They are what these other Tier 2 teams are in the NFL. Um, and I, I don't think there's too much to panic about with the Ravens. Uh, I think their run defense was a problem. I don't expect it to be when they're healthy. Their offense line is my biggest concern. You know, Mar- Losing Marshall Yondo was obviously a big deal. And then Ronnie Stanley going down a couple weeks ago was even a bigger deal. Um, so the offensive line is a serious concern for me. Um, that's why you don't see the Ravens just dominating with their bully ball type of mentality uh, this year. But in terms of panicking, no, I still think this is a playoff team. I still think this is a team that could get hot in December or January. I just don't think they were ever the Chiefs-level contender. All right. Justin, are you, are you with them that there's not a, a big takeaway negative for the Ravens or – after losing two of the last three, is this a, a problem spot for a team that, uh, you know, as much as Shane knew they weren't at that level, everybody else came into the yeah. season ready for the Ravens to run it back. Well, so first of all, um, Shane forgot to uh, point out that uh, the, the loss of uh, Clayus Campbell not being in there on the D-line was a huge loss, and I think that would have maybe could have changed things as far as stopping the run uh, against the Patriots. Um, but no, all you guys have hit on the, on the head so far that the uh, Ravens are just not quite the same level as the Kansas City Chiefs are. And I mean, we saw when everyone was just talking about how, oh, Lamar Jackson's up there with Patrick Mahomes. And then we see the Chiefs just go there and just dominate the Ravens. You know, a few weeks ago, the, the, the stats were just completely, uh you know, out of whack in favor of Mahomes. And that put all the conversation of, you know, Lamar being up there with Mahomes to bed. Um, I never thought the Ravens were anywhere close to uh, the Chiefs level. Uh, but overall, I was pretty stunned to see the Ravens uh, lose to the Patriots. I thought it was going to be a bloodbath, you know, t- t- to be fair and honest. I thought the Ravens were going to run away with it. Um and I think it just proves that uh, Lamar Jackson's got, he's got more to work on. And he is a diet version of Michael Vick, where he is just a pure runner. No. He's a, it's all, it, it's all he I gotta is. Cut you off, Justin. I got to cut you off. Well, first of all, no, because all of his numbers say that he's superior to Michael Vick. And the old, there's like one season with the Eagles 
or Michael Vick's stats compared to any of Lamar Jackson's seasons. But even a regression year this year, Lamar Jackson is a better passer than Michael Vick by a country mile. Lamar is a runner. He's also Sunday, so. Yeah. He was a little bit of a problem in that the, the, the Patriots corner shut down the top receiving threats for the Ravens. Now, how much is Lamar Jackson? How much is those receivers? How much is the weather? But when you're talking uh, a combined 36 yards against the starting three corners for the Patriots, this is a Patriots secondary without Stephon Gilmore. And to have that happen, that is on both Lamar Jackson. It's on the wide receivers. Like, the just going weather, that's not enough to explain how bad that performance was for the the players you need to get the ball to. And they did a decent enough job. They always do getting it to Mark Andrews. But otherwise, that passing game was anemic. And it's not enough to just say that was the weather. Mark Jackson didn't have a great game. Uh, at the same time, I'm not willing to let this blasphemy come in about Michael Vick because get the hell out of here with that, Justin. That's not even close to accurate. <laughs> Well, I do want to know one thing. What has happened to uh, Mark Ingram? Like, wh- where is he gone? Like, he is totally my fantasy team. Well, he was injured for a couple of weeks, but yeah. yes. Well, yeah, I mean, but besides besides that, I mean, he's totally disappeared from the Ravens offense, and he was such a huge part last year. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, the offense line is not the same this year. No. Um, and that – discourages the Ravens from being able to just run it downhill. You know, it, anytime they handed the ball off to Mark Ingram last year, it was five yards a pop, basically. And now they're mixing in and matching with all these other running backs on top of their offense line not being as dominant. I think they're, that is two of the bigger issues in the lack of Mark Ingram's success, I guess. There's also something to say that it wasn't like this, you know, 1,400-yard rusher, yada, yada. A lot of his was getting in the end zone consistently throughout an entire season. That's something that was due for regression. When you talk about the regression for the Ravens offense, Mark Ingram was bound to take a step back. He's just disappeared instead, which is not good. And it would be okay if the addition of J.K. Dobbins was just stealing all of that production, but it just hasn't been there yet. And you would think in a game where the weather ruins it this way, you can't pass down the field, you got to run. That should have been in the Ravens' favor, who are supposed to be this dominant run team. If Lamar Jackson is really just that quarterback who can only run, then this game was built for them. They end up losing to the Patriots. So I think, all in all, you could probably throw this out in the wash, if not for the fact the Ravens have had a tough three weeks of football. We'll see if they get themselves back onto the right track. Uh, the next one we have to talk about, more fun than you know, just trying to talk about Ravens losing, and then we can't even get the fun of Bobby Likin. Uh, the Patriots winning because he is such a devil's advocate. He is only here to pretend to be a Patriots fan, but he really hates them even when they win. Uh, we need to talk about DeAndre Hopkins making the miraculous catch uh, over the top to give the cards a huge victory over the Bills. Uh, I think I saw very quickly on social media, I think it was from uh, Sarah Spain over at ESPN, that was, is this the uh, most, you know, greatest catch you've seen and not just counting from like situational, but from the fact that, Three defenders slammed into the ball at the same time that DeAndre Hopkins never let it go, and he holds it down. Uh, I think it's pretty high. I think there's some others up there, but in terms of how impressive that play was, uh, it was pretty crazy. It also gives uh, Kyler Murray one more big comeback win that we talked about it last week. He's sneaking up that uh, you know rankings of possible MVPs this year. That is a huge game that if he can continue the rest of the year, will be a pretty big feather in his cap for a possible MVP consideration. But I just want to start out with that play. Bobby shook his head no very quickly. Are you not impressed by the play, or are you just thinking in your head of all the other 
great catches that would go over this DeAndre Hopkins catch? I think the catch is the second most impressive part of that play because we forget how the ball even got there. Kyler Murray had a scramble out of the pocket. He's running to his left, falling off balance. He throws an absolute dime. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins makes a great catch, but if you ever watched Calvin Johnson, he made that catch about two times every day. It was a fabulous catch. It's not the greatest game ending, you know, like he, you know, caught it with his pinky finger catch. In terms of difficulty, I still think the OBJ catch was more impressive. But I'm enough, I'm done with this Kyler Murray, Murray slander. Get rid of Russell Wilson. Get rid of Rodgers. Get rid of this Josh Allen meme. Kyler NFL MVP. It's done. All right. I want to say, first of all, Josh Allen had the game-winning drive himself. So the Bills lost, but not because Josh Allen didn't deliver an MVP caliber performance down the stretch. And if anything, if Kyler Murray, if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't pull that ball down and get smashed by three defenders, which once again, stop ignoring the fact that that was amazing. I've seen those Calvin Johnson plays. He does amazing stuff, but he's also so huge that all the guys bounce off him before the catch is made. This is all of the players converging on the ball at the point of the catch. And DeAndre Hopkins said, doesn't matter. This is my ball. So you can't say that Josh Allen makes a game-winning drive, it doesn't matter because Josh Allen disappeared from the face of the world for three weeks. Kyler Murray Kyler never Murray did that. Kyler Murray had a, a middle-of-the-season that hasn't been great. When we're arguing <laughs> he still this, he has better stats, and he's playing in a tougher division. He has better rushing stats. The passing stats, Josh Allen has ridiculous numbers, numbers that uh, especially – now, I know it doesn't always count. It's, it's supposed to be one-for-one one who played better. But when you count the fact that most people had considered Josh Allen to not even be a good enough quarterback to be in this type of conversation, and he has delivered at the max level. They haven't just had him as a game manager. They have put the, the, the ball into his hands so much. I didn't imagine that he'd ever play this well when he's having to pass as much as he is, and he's delivering. So pretending like he isn't having an amazing year, I think he's neck and neck with Kyler Murray. And while – uh, I will throw Wilson down the list. I think he's fallen behind uh, my my group. I'm going Rodgers, Mahomes. I'm still hanging on to Allen at three, but Murray is right on his heels, and Wilson's at five right now. That's where I'm at on my MVP rankings, and there's a reason there's nobody but quarterbacks on that list. Let's all be real about this. See, I'm going to put out why I never put Mahomes on this list. I think he has the best. He is the best quarterback in the league right now. That's not a question, but he is going to get that LeBron fatigue real quick where for whatever reason, people are just tired of him doing real well and they're just going to disregard him in the NFL MVP. Well, I'm not making, this isn't about where to put the bet because fans are stupid because media gets fatigued. I'm telling you where they're at from what they do on the field. That's my top five list. And Uh, I'm saying, go ahead. Correct, Bobby. Correct. Uh, you know, I, I don't know where Justin lands on Kyler Murray, but uh, he's probably a Michael Vick 3.0 at this point. <laughs> I don't know what, that, what the comparison will be, but Shane, tell us about Thanks, man. Uh, Thanks, man. Where, where Kyler Murray uh, and Josh Allen land and just what you thought of this game. We'll get back to the big picture because this was an amazing game all around. It wasn't just those final two drives going back and forth, but this was a very mm-hmm. fun game to watch. Well, first off, I lost a fantasy matchup because of Hopkins' touchdown, so really salty about that. But no, I actually don't understand Bobby's hatred for Lamar Jackson, but love for Kyler Murray. Like, it's <laughs> it's, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I, I don't understand. Like, Kyler also is inconsistent as a passer, but I love both. So I don't, I don't, I don't understand why you would hate one and love the other. But 
to get to the point about the MVP discussion, if that Hail Mary doesn't happen, Josh Allen is maybe the favorite for the MVP or one of the favorites in betting odds, right? Like, that, I mean, that's how stupid all this discussion is, is that if that improbable play doesn't happen, then Kyler Murray is not one of the three favorites this week in betting odds. So, yeah, I agree with you, Mac, though. I think I think I still would have Mahomes number one. Um, and I don't th- I think it's far too early to have his LeBron fatigue factor with him. Um, uh, and there are I think he's got a hand. I think PFF has mentioned this, but he's got a handful of touchdowns that are just screen passes or, you know, design little dump little shovel passes or whatever. And so that makes the whole 26 to one ratio a little bit misguided, but he's been the best player in the NFL. Um, and I, I thought that two weeks ago when we discussed the MVP odds, and I still think that now nothing's changed. Um, so, yeah, I think Mahomes will be number one. Rodgers is probably number two. And then, yeah, Allen and Murray are still very much in the mix. So is Russell Wilson, as far as I'm concerned. It, I mean, it's there's too much season left to think that this is a two, three-man race. I will so say with heard... Mahomes passing touchdowns, there are a few cheap ones. There are mm-hmm. also a lot more he could have got that are going to the running backs, going to – these weird plays that Andy Reid draws up. They're ones where he isn't passing in situations where he would, and he's giving basically freebie touchdowns to running backs who are running to open field because of the threat Mahomes brings to the field. So he also could have more interceptions. Like, I mean, his ratio could be closer, so. But he's been still the best player. We take the final line, and the final line looks pretty damn good. Yes. So what I heard out of all that is Patrick Mahomes is a system quarterback like Brady was. <laughs> right? Are we going exact, there, boys? Exact word. That's an exact quote. Well, that's uh, what I, I heard that for 20 years. Now I'm like, come on, guys. It's Andy Reid. No, it's right. different. Okay, we're moving on. So, Justin, you just went after one of the controversial quarterbacks in the last night with Lamar Jackson. I assume you got some fiery takes to throw out about Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. So have at it. That's what this show's about. Well, it's not so much about them. It's it's more about the Buffalo Bills losing the game. I, I think, I mean, don't get me wrong. That was a great play by Kyler Murray. I mean, great throw and an awesome catch by uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But um, I was uh, I was watching uh, uh, Good Morning Football earlier on NFL Network, and they seemed to be a little too um, a little too kind to the Buffalo Bills. How? They didn't really lose the game, and they they came to play there, and they came to win. No, no, you lost the game because you had a three to one advantage. Okay, you had three defenders that could have somehow, some way, tried to catch that ball. And I mean, again, credit to uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who is probably the best receiver in the game. Maybe I mean, you can maybe still say maybe Julio Jones or whatever, but. Man, I mean, a three to one advantage, and you couldn't find a way to come away with the interception there to try to seal the game when Josh Allen just went down the field for you and possibly had the game winning touchdown drive, you know? And it's just, it's amazing. And that was the best part of the play, by the way. I think uh, we didn't get to that part. Bobby mentioned that the Kyler Murray's scramble part was the best part. I mean, that was impressive that he got away from the pressure, but no, Hopkins coming down with the ball with three defenders around him was the best part of that play. It was. Like, yeah, I mean, we we're it's, all it's in agreement. Play. Bobby's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we should have taken the time to give Kyler Murray credit. That's fair. Mm-hmm. The yeah. idea that that's the best part of the play is an overreaction from Bobby because he's a hot take artist. We is got that. I will whole, say though, is this going to be a whole what? show? We, we just we just pick on Bobby the entire time or something? Well, well every show. Every show. Well, his Patriots beat my Ravens, so I'm I'm going to hold a grudge yeah. for a while. So I I, so, I should rem- I should remember because you did a lot on my show too. 
It's you guys fun, but now on. I'm in control. So where I just get thrown in a couple jabs, now it's just me punching a guy with no gloves on. Like, <laughs> you're done, son. You're done. So uh, the, yeah, that's what we do. You butt in every once in a while on me. <laughs> I don't have. I don't know how to do that. But once I figure it out, it's gonna happen all the time. So thanks for reminding me, Bobby. I will look into that. But I do <sighs> want to say Justin's point. I I disagree. I don't. I don't think holding them accountable for this final fluky play that. You know, you have the three main advantage. That means they did what they needed to do to get in position. And DeAndre Hopkins did something amazing. Kyler Murray did something amazing. It's hard to stop. Where the, you can blame them is they were up 23 to nine with like nine minutes left in the third quarter. And from there, they just let the Cardinals rip them apart. And yeah. then they even needed to score at the end to take the lead back and try to get that victory. If they would have done more in the third quarter and early in the fourth, they wouldn't have been in that position, and then they wouldn't have left where, okay, we thought we got it 30 seconds left, but Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins pull off the miracle. So it is there where they should have just put the team away. That's not a good thing. But they're also, they're 7-3. and three. They keep doing, uh, you know, these are, these are great games that they're putting up against good teams. They're not just shelling out against the, the you know, the bottom of the barrel in the NFL. So I think right now that 7-3 record is still pretty good for the Buffalo Bills, considering one of the losses – is this game right here. And I, I, I forget what the other two were, but I feel like they keep having a few of these last uh, these last second games. You could look at that as you're putting yourself in a position to lose, and that might not work out well for you in the playoffs. I look at it as the Buffalo Bills keep putting themselves in a position where they can win the game. And when you have the you know skills that Josh Allen does, you have the number of threats he has in the passing game. Uh, really, the only thing stopping the Buffalo Bills is the fact that this rush defense is abysmal. If they can shore that up at all, then this is a, a team that could be a contender down the stretch. But we'll move on. We talked about that for too long, mostly because, uh, you know, Bobby had to jump in with all those hot takes. But uh, I want to talk about the Saints continuing to win, but uh, Breeze just gets uh, demolished. And uh, I, I want to get to the Monday Night Football, them talking about the play, because I didn't actually hear what they said. I sure as hell wasn't going to watch the Kirk Cousins, Nick Foles show. So uh, I didn't hear what they said. I just saw the Twitter reaction where they described it as a dirty play, which I'm just like, what the hell are you guys talking about? But it does put Breeze out at a situation where the Saints just kept finding a way to win. And now I want to know with him possibly out with the the rib injury, with, uh, you know, the, the possibility it could be a lot of weeks where he's out. Do we think that right now, Saints are minus 305 to win the division. Bucks plus 200. Is that a good bet to take that where they have lost two games of the Saints? Uh, they're down in the standings, but could make a run to take that back as the Saints won't have Drew Brees for the next couple of weeks or will have an injured Drew Brees uh, trying to get out there and play and might get himself injured again. Well, the context, the context behind the play was, I believe uh, – I forgot who got hit. I'm pretty sure it's Nick Foles. Like someone touched him in the helmet and they were like freaking out. They're like, that's roughing the passer. They're like, if you're okay with Drew Brees, you know, being out for two weeks, then you have to be okay with that not being called or something. Like they were really upset that wasn't called because Drew Brees got hurt. I'm like, this is the NFL. You're going to get tackled. You're going to get hit hard. Like you can't throw a flag on every single time the quarterback. The problem with the Nick Foles play was he got forearmed in the helmet. Like he got smashed. Like, Drew Brees just got hit, like, as clean as possible, but also, you know, bulldozed. So, comparing the two, I guess if you're just saying, look what can happen, even if you're clean about it. But uh, let's not undercut that that Nick Foles play was roughing the passer. Like, that's not 
I, I don't think is a question. Even based on my rules where I'm allowed, I would love to see quarterbacks just get blown up. I love the old NFL. I know they're doing it to protect them, but I miss it a bit. Like, I would say that that's 100% a roughing the passer on that play. Yeah, uh, yeah, fair point. But moving on to the uh, Bucks bed, I would – I mean, I got really nothing. That was just the context about them complaining because somehow they were upset that those two plays were equal, even though that Drew Brees got hit clean, in my opinion. But, uh, I mean, I think the Saints are still in a decent position to win the division if Drew Brees is only out for, like, one or two games. Because Jameis Winston isn't some bum. Like, yeah, he's probably going to throw, like, six picks in the next two weeks. But he's also going to probably throw like 15 touchdowns somehow and like 6,000 yards. That's Jameis Winston. He can still push the ball down the field, which the Saints have been lacking. So that might open up a little bit for their offense. And basically the Bucs are one and a half games behind them late in the season. I would still take the Bucs plus 200 there because I'm a Tom Brady fanboy. And I'd never bet against Tom Brady until I do. But I... I wouldn't be super worried about the Saints as long as it's less than two games, two games or less. All right, Shane, how many touchdowns does Taysom Hill score instead of Drew Brees? Because that's the real start. It's not James. Yeah, the best, Lamar, better than Lamar Jackson, you mean? Um, the guy better than him? <laughs> A billion. Uh, no, I, I, I think I want to get into the division talk, uh, actually. I'm, I'm hesitant to bet on the Bucks, even though I uh, have a Super Bowl future on them and I'm probably high on them as well but they don't face each other again this year. They've already faced each other twice. Saints have won both. And if you look at the Saints schedule, they get the Falcons twice. They have the Broncos. They have the Eagles and the Panthers. I mean, those are a handful of your games to end the season. Like, regardless of who your quarterback is, that's a good – Saints have a good enough roster that that's a, they should win most of those games or be the favorite in most of those games. So that – and this is coming from someone who likes the Bucs and has a future on the Dolphins to win that division over there. Like, I like to bet things just to bet things sometimes, and I'm still – I think I would be hesitant to bet the Bucks in this situation, mostly because they don't play head-to-head with the Saints, and that really hurts them, I think, in this situation. All right. Justin, how close on your scale? Is you like a five stars, five for Michael Vick? Where is Taysom Hill on the <laughs> Michael Vick imposter level? Uh, you're just going to keep drill this on me, don't you, man? This is Welcome to the up. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but seriously uh, – I want to kind of get into what, you know, Shane was talking about there with the, with the division. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't go with the Buccaneers. I just, it's, it's been too up and down. I know that they got the chiefs in a couple of weeks uh, and, and this was supposed to be the time they're supposed to start turning things on. Like the first half was supposed to be kind of the working the kinks out, getting used to every, you know, new player on the team, Brady getting used to his new teammates and into the offense and kind of start you know, find out what they've got as an identity of a team. And they're still, I think they're still trying to kind of find that a little bit. Because, I mean, they they, they they blow out the Packers, then they get absolutely embarrassed by the Saints. And then they, of course, you know, win their last game convincingly against Carolina. I, I, I just don't know. I, I'm going to go with the uh, proven team, the team that's been there, done that a little bit more in recent years, the Saints. Uh, I know Breeze is going to be out, you know, for, well, who knows how long. Um, and Jameis Winston is not the greatest option to turn to. I like to see Taysom Hill, you know, get some quarterback. I, I mean, I know he's, I know he's more. I mean, you shake your head there, Mac. Um, but I mean, why, why, why not try? 
Because I just I don't know about because we saw him because we've seen him on the field like Jameis Winston's interception bonanza is still more productive than Taysom Hill who has had one pass that's looked like a real quarterback and everybody went yay like (laughs) at most you could build a run scheme around him but why would you do that like get Jameis in there you saw what record they could rattle off when it was Teddy Bridgewater stepping in. You're getting a little bit different because Bridgewater is more careful with the ball than Jameis Winston. But as Bobby mentioned, this is a team that right now has not had those deep threats, even as Drew Brees is just slicing and dicing to get them victories. That can be something that can get you a few victories, particularly over uh, some of the worst teams on your schedule. And you can write it out where with that two-game advantage over the Bucks and what, is it is it one in the standings right now? So you have a, a, a lead that is in threat, but you really don't even need to be like, you know, a, a perfect team down the stretch. You just have to get the best on the field. Taysom Hill is like a project we have to redo the entire offense and figure out how to make this work. Not to mention, like I said, we've seen it. He's been on the field enough. He's not a good quarterback. Like, at most, it's for a trick play, but it's not a trick if all of us know it's coming. And that's what we've seen all of this year, where Taysom Hill has been completely inefficient and just taking the ball out of Drew Brees' hand for no reason. I don't think while Drew Brees isn't uh, able to play, you should just take that ball and Keep putting it into Taysom Hill's hands. It's already failed. Don't do it. But uh, next up, I do want to jump to my new favorite segment. This is two a time. And so these questions will only go to Bobby and Justin. We are going to talk about uh, the Dolphins game. A Not quite the rookie showdown I, I think we had hoped for. It ended up being 29-21. But neither one had uh, as good of a game as uh, they've had in recent weeks. Particularly, uh, you know, I think both had a big turnover that nearly flipped the game the other way. Uh, at the end of the day, though, Dolphins end up uh, getting that victory. So when you see a game like that, is there any big takeaways that you have from these teams uh, in terms of, you know, what they're able to do with their young quarterback and what they're putting around them? Or is the only real takeaway we can take is that Chargers are going to just keep destroying whatever, like, six fans they have out in L.A. right now? <laughs> Bobby, we'll start with you. I mean – you think I was honestly going to watch that game, Mac? You complain so much that I make you watch shitty games. How am I going to watch a Dolphins-Chargers game in Kansas City? Come on, man. But the only hot take I have is, I mean, yeah, but I don't have Sunday ticket. So I watched the highlights, if that counts for anything. I was kind of keeping up with it as it was going on. And the only thing that my hottest take is I had the Chargers plus one and a half. That was easy money for them to lose by one. What's going on? Like, that's your one job in life for the Chargers to lose somehow by one every game. You guys failed me. <laughs> All right, Justin, uh, did you get to watch any of the game? And what have you thought of those two quarterbacks so far into the rookie year? Okay, so like Bobby, I don't have Sunday NFL tickets, so I did not get to watch. I don't have watch- it either. Get Find a cousin <laughs> who pays for it and then steal his login. This isn't hard, folks. <laughs> What's your login then, Mac? I can't give you his. I gotta get your own because it'll kick me out if you jump in on his. Like he watches it on his TV, I watch it on uh, an app, and we both win. It's great. You know, I, I should have tried the uh, NFL. I got the NFL app on my phone. I should have tried that and see if I could have watched on my phone. Um, but you know, here, here's I'm going to start with this, and this is a little bit, little bit of a joke here. Uh, that uh, one of my friends and I, we kind of do sometimes. Chargers don't play football. They're supposed to be, you know, like plugins that you charge your phone with. That's what a charger is. Um, 
Okay. Yeah, that didn't go out very well. Don't um, start a joke with this is a joke that I have. Like that's <laughs> number one. I'll just teach you that out the gate. But you know what? Overall, it, it's not surprising to see the Chargers losing in a close game. They they just don't have it, and they they need to find a new a new coach. Anthony Lynn's not the answer. Herbert, I mean, he is fantastic. He is, I mean, he is completely overshadowing overshadowing you know whatever whatever the expectations were that I had for him, which wasn't very much to begin with. So he's really uh, coming out very nicely so far this year, and he's performing up to you know much higher expectations than what I had because, um, you know, him coming out of college at Oregon, I thought he was okay, but I didn't see him being anything spectacular in the next level, but man, he's doing very well. And I, I, I do feel bad for him and he needs to have better, a better team and a better head coach. I, I just don't see it with the chargers dolphins. Um, that this is going to be interesting in a couple of weeks when the chiefs go down to Miami, I think that's going to be a tough game. For Kansas City, because uh, Tua and the Dolphins' defense, the special teams, are playing very well. Um, I think Brian Flores could potentially become like the first Belichick assistant to actually finally be a real head coach in the NFL. Because obviously, we, we've seen the, the coaching tree of, the, of Belichick not do so well over the years. So, I mean, it, it's going to be really intriguing to see the Dolphins, you know, down the stretch. They, they could make a run, possibly. All right, I was just joking earlier when I was pretending Shane wasn't going to get in on Tua time. Shane, how have you felt about Tua uh, so far? I assume you just watched every second of this game. I did. I don't know why these guys didn't. Uh, no, I illegally streamed the Dolphins games because they've become my second favorite team. You um, hypothetically streamed that game. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> hey, how, how about those throwback uniforms, by the way? Yes, that was a all-time uniform game right there. Uh, so the background of my Dolphins fandom started last year. I bet on this team every single week when they were theoretically the Jets, the NFL, uh, and they had these large spreads every single week. And I was just like, all right, I'm betting the Dolphins. And they ended up having a winning record against the spread. If you go back and look at last year, I think it was nine and seven. So I ended up winning money that way. Um, but no, I, that, that's when I realized, hey, Brian Flores is a really good coach. And this year has been a lot of fun. I, I turned that into ridiculous bets. Like I bet on the Dolphins over win total this week, this year. I bet on, on them to make the playoffs and win the division. Got a little out of control in that regard. So, But this game was a lot of fun because it was two good rookie quarterbacks going against each other. I, I really like Tua. I think he's really good. His anticipation is is really good as a, even now as a rookie quarterback. And you can, you can see that the game isn't as fast as it was maybe in that week, that first start that he had. And this Dolphins team, as you know, everyone's already mentioned, it, it, it's the real deal. I mean, that defense is really good. They do a lot of zero blitz, and they're a fascinating team, I think. Uh, I don't know how realistic it is that they're going to win the division or make the playoffs, but I think they are a more legit threat than I even thought a few weeks ago. Um, and a lot of that is credit to Brian Flores and that defense. In regards to Justin Herbert, I mean, there's nothing – you can say bad about him. I mean, I, I think it just proves, you know, when you, a guy like him has success or a guy like Josh Allen has success, it, it maybe it gives a chance that there's there's going to be quarterbacks with just raw arm talent are going to get more shots like this. Um, because, you know, maybe you didn't love the college tape. Uh, like, it seems to be like everybody felt that way about Justin Herbert. But you can tell that he has a raw arm talent to compete in the NFL. And so it, it will be interesting to see if he can get, you know, that Chargers full supporting cast around him and what they can do next year. 
Yeah, and I think with guys like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, a lot of what we've seen is kind of using like the record against them, using the the people we've seen come before with a similar skill set. But all of those guys, it's just a long list of guys who are plugged into the wrong system with a coach who's not willing to adapt. And now we've gotten to a point in the NFL where coaches either they just know that they have to or they realize that there's been so many success stories where you take somebody out of college who you know can do it in that system. Okay, how do we adapt that to the NFL? And they built these offenses around them rather than trying to put, you know, a, a square peg into a circular hole or whatever the phrase is. Uh, but they keep trying to do hole. that. Yeah, they keep trying to do that. That was the way of the NFL. That's why so when you look at how there are so many more quarterbacks who are in their first year doing great, it's not just because of the change in the rules that allow quarterbacks to excel in this area. That's a big part of it. But it's also coaches have now it's become much more normal for them to completely change their offense because they're like, this is the guy we have. This is what his skill set is. This is how we're going to make him be as successful as possible. And so we're seeing guys who are doing much better where otherwise they'd you know, wither away on a team that isn't really using them to their full potential. So it's good to see that happen more and more. It'd also be great to see uh, somebody who's not just creating a good offense around Justin Herbert, but I don't know, maybe uh, having competence in the rest of the organization and the rest of the team. Maybe that will help Justin Herbert. So yes, uh, Anthony Lynn definitely on a hot seat uh, right now. And it's it's almost better for Chargers fans that they've lost these games because if he would have won a few, they would have given Anthony Lynn another year. Instead, they can pull the plug and they can get somebody in there who's not going to waste Justin Herbert's rookie deal with uh, a, just putting a bad product on the field each week. So uh, interesting for the, the Chargers, interesting for uh, to a time that was fun this week. It's my favorite segment now. Uh, Seahawks, that's the next one up. Uh, they just continue what seems like a, a, a free fall, particularly for Russell Wilson. Uh, he went from scorched earth to just uh, being toast out there. He's had seven interceptions. 10 total turnovers. Uh, I think one of those was like a bad snap fumble, so it's not really his fault, but that's still just a really rough uh, few weeks there for Russell Wilson. That's why he started moving down the MVP board. But uh, to, to have that loss, to, to be in the position right now, I just kind of wonder, uh, have the Seahawks as a team, has that really changed where you have them in terms of where they'll make the playoffs? Because uh, I know in talking with Shane, you know, looking at that defense, it just wasn't putting them very high anyways based on how good they did in the first few weeks versus how good they'd probably do over the course of a season. Uh, we'll start with Bobby. Uh, have, have they moved down for you? Is this just kind of the Seahawks team we kind of figured was there, but now the, there's a little bit more proof with some of the games that have uh, come up short due to their uh, deficiencies, particularly on defense? I'd move them down a little bit just because it seems like they can never get a healthy running back at all. And Russell Wilson can do a lot, but he can't do everything, especially when they have a defense where I could probably rush for 100 yards on them and somehow get 100 receiving yards. And I run like a solid 4-9. That was back in the day when my knees were kind of healthy. So now I'm probably like a, a 5-6 or something. But I can still probably, I'm going to get a tutty on that Seahawks defense. I can guarantee you that. But I want to, you know, I want to, you know, give a sarcastic clap to Jalen Ramsey. He actually shadowed a number one wide receiver. I'm, I'm proud of you, big guy. Like, it only took you how many years to do it and how much shit talking. But, hey, you shut down DK Metcalf. I kind of hate you for that because it ruined my fantasy matchup. Yes. But as, if this Seahawks team is going to, you know, absolutely have 11 traffic cones on defense right now, they have no running game. Russell Wilson is kind of 
you know, falling apart as he's figuring out he's going to have to do it all. So I am going to knock him down a little bit. They could potentially be knocked down a lot of it in that division. Like theoretically, the 49ers aren't even out of that division race because that's how competitive this, all these teams are. Well, all the teams in that division, not in the NFC, which is the next point I want to bring up. Uh, right now, there are nine teams in the AFC that are six and three, which means even with the additional playoff team this year, there are going to be two on the outside looking in. Uh, I want to know, do you think the eighth best team in the AFC should just get the NFC East division crown and be thrown into the playoffs on the other side? Would that be the best solution to what is a freaking train wreck at the bottom of the NFC and particularly with that NFC East, which I said it all year, people didn't believe me. That might be a four win division winner. That might be where they're at. Everybody kind of like, I know they'll, they'll make it out to seven wins. Even with winning in your division, if somebody runs the table, that's still a five to six win team and they're going to be in the playoffs hosting. Like I'm just, I, I can't believe how awful the NFC East is. Actually, I can't believe it's not that surprising. Actually the best solution is still to give the NFC East spot to the Rams because the Rams have won four NFC East games. And no <laughs> NFC East team has. So that's still the best solution. And for me, that's the takeaway from the, the Seahawks Rams game because the Rams are doing something creative defensively uh, and kind of you just alluded to Bobby with Jalen Ramsey, but they play quarters inside and they go man to man outside and then they do this tight defensive front with their three defensive linemen. And it's just, it, it was the Seahawks first chance of seeing that. And you could see that it bothered them as well. And so I think the Rams are the story here. That defense is legit. And they, I didn't necessarily believe in this team going into the year. And that defense is a lot better than I expected. And so I think it has, a, the Rams have a real shot of winning at it. It isn't just because of their defense alone. I mean, I know Jared Goff has his limitations in offense and general will as well, but you know I trust Sean McVay on the offensive end, and if that defense is is one of the elite defenses, which there probably aren't any elite defenses in the NFL, I mean I think the Rams the Rams have a shot at winning a division. I mean I still might say the Seahawks win it just because I would I would always put my money on Russell Wilson, but I mean the Rams close that gap a lot a lot more than I thought they were going to before this last week. I just want to say real quick that uh, Rams defense that's literally how I play Madden. <laughs> the only way I've played is just doing that yourself, uh, doing the little audibles on defense to make the players go and then scrunch up the linemen and like bada bing, bada boom. Nobody knows how to deal with it. So uh, it'll really suck when uh, somebody figures out this Rams defense and then they start putting that into Madden to ruin that for me. Cause that's all I ever had was that defense. But uh, Justin, what was the biggest takeaway you had uh, from the, the way the Seahawks have played and uh, having that loss here in this one? Well, first of all, I'm I'm very disappointed that uh, DK Madcap did not give me any points at all. Uh, that was a surprise for me. I, I was expecting another. Um, of course, I didn't I didn't start Russell Wilson. Uh, thank goodness, I, I made the smart decision in one of my leagues not to start him. Um, but I was kind of hoping that uh, DK Metcalf would have another breakout kind of game. That didn't happen. And yes, I mean Rams defense is pretty good this year. Um, you know, I, I was going to kind of uh, go back to what was it, Bobby talking about uh, dropping the Seahawks in the rankings or whatever. Uh, let's you know, kind of look at the schedule a little bit here coming up for the Seahawks as, of course, they got the Cardinals this Thursday night. But then it gets a little easier. Or actually, not little. I, I, I think it's a, it gets a lot easier for the, <laughs> for the Seahawks here coming up. They got the Eagles. It's on the road, but the Eagles aren't very good, of course, in the worst division in all of football, as we were just all talking about there. They got the Giants after that, and then they're then they're home against the Jets. Uh, 
Then they're on the road against uh, the Washington football team. That's another NFC East battle. So that's probably a win. I think they sweep those those three between the um, between the Eagles, Giants, and then of course Washington football team. Then it gets the last two are going to be hard. Of course, they got the Rams at home. Then they're on the road in San Francisco. So overall, I think Seattle can make a run. But uh, if, if that defense, if they can't stop anybody, you know, from what I was listening to this morning on uh, uh, Good Morning Football, they could historically be the worst defense probably of all time if they just can't get their defense together. And then, of course, they've tried it. They, they added uh, Carlos Dunlap. Of course, I got uh, Jamal Adams, and so far that that hasn't really helped at all because their pass rush is non-existent uh, unless they're trying to blitz Adams coming off the corner or something. Um, and I mean, you guys, you guys said earlier, one of you guys said it. Russell Wilson can't do it all. I mean, as as good as he is, I mean, you're seeing the struggles within the last few weeks. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I think Seattle with the schedule they could make a run. All right, fair enough. Uh, anybody rebuttal there real quick? I- any feelings on what Justin just said about uh, Seattle down the stretch? Because I'm going to jump to the Browns next, which I know is everybody's favorite topic. No rebuttal. Okay, perfect. All right, no uh, takers. So Browns, uh, I want to talk about that game. That's an old school uh, football game with uh, the 10-7 uh, finish, a 200-yard rushers, and – uh, able to to take down uh, the Texans there. And it just seems like, you know, you could just write that game off. Texans have been bad, obviously, getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, nobody really expects much out of him this year. And then the Browns have just miraculously gotten out to 6-3. and three. But I feel like there's a lot of comparisons you could make to that Tennessee team from last year. You could even make it to the Tennessee team this year uh, as a team right there that's kind of uh, rising uh, just – one step behind the top players in the AFC and they're putting together a offense that maybe you wouldn't pick that to make a Super Bowl run, but there's also not a lot of teams equipped to, to go after them because not a lot of teams build their offense this way. So you're not building a defense to stop what the Tennessee Titans did last year or what the Browns and the Titans are doing this year. So when I'm looking at that of the two, which team do you think is more likely to make that Tennessee Titans type run and win a couple playoff games and, you know, let that rushing attack just dismantle some defenses down the stretch. Is it what the Browns are doing right now with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both destroying, or is it still just the Titans who have had a little bit of a free fall, but at the end of the day, uh, Derrick Henry just running through defenses late in the season. Uh, I just have a feeling he's going to replicate that just a little bit again this year. I mean, I never want I never want to hear you complaining Bobby's hypothetical sports best that I'm picking shitty games. You're talking about a Browns game right now. <laughs> the, only, the only thing that mattered from that game is Nick Chubb absolutely had Vegas in his pocket at the end of the game. But if we're betting on a team, would I want to bet on Ryan Tannehill or Diet Ryan Fitzpatrick? I'm going to bet on Ryan Tannehill and Jerry Henry. <laughs> I think I would also go with the Titans in that scenario. I mean, the Titans have done it, so that helps um, pick them in that regard. But I also like the Titans schematically are more interesting to me. They do a lot of zone read. They do a lot of play action and rolling out with Ryan Tannehill. And for the Browns, I know their limitations. I mean, the Ravens 
blitzed the hell out of them in week one, and Baker Mayfield had no answer. That offense line is better, but he still doesn't handle pressure that well. And if you're asked to th- make him throw in an obvious passing situation, teams are just going to blitz him. And I think I would, I think I would trust the Titans more uh, than the Browns. Although that's probably not saying much uh, when you're comparing those two teams. But yeah, the the big takeaway is the fact that the Browns and Texans that spread uh, should have been a Browns win, but they did not cover because Nick Chubb. Yes, exactly. I was just going to get to that. Um, that was. Um... Quite surprising. I mean, why not just go into the end zone? You're right there. I mean, you're not going to hurt the feelings of the Texans. They have no feelings left because they're not a team anymore. So I I didn't really understand that. But uh, going back to what Shane was saying, um, I'm with the Titans as well. I mean, if you're trying to pick between them and the Browns of which team could make a run possibly like the Titans did last year, I'll go with Tennessee just because we've seen it. They've, they've been there, done that. Derrick Henry, we know what he is. Um, I know the O-line's not as, as good this year as it was last year. Of course, the injury to their left tackle is not very – that's not a very good um, – that's a very bad loss there for, for Tennessee. Um, and I, I just Baker Mayfield, I don't, I don't know. I mean – Kind of a kind of a lost cause there for for Baker Mayfield. I don't I don't know. I, I just I don't I don't know if he's got it. I mean, he he shows some days where he's got it, and then you see other games where he just he looks lost. And I mean, I, there hasn't been much out of uh, Jarvis uh, Landry. Um, I haven't seen much out of him. I know the uh, injury to Odell Beckham. That's that's huge. Um, I'll, I'll I'll just I'll go with Tennessee just because they're they're the more proven team and of course we saw them make the run last year. See, I'm gonna take Justin's point to push me on the side of the long shot. So he's bringing up the loss of Odell Beckham. He's bringing up the fact that that the receiving game isn't much. Uh, that's actually why I'm willing to give it to the Browns because I think part of what happened with Tennessee last year was desperation. They got just enough out of Tannehill, but they also knew. Derrick Henry is who's going to get you these victories. I think that might be the one thing they've lost this year where they have more receiving threats. They're trying to see how much more they can get out of Tannehill, and it's coming up uh, just snake eyes most of the time for them. On the Brown side, they know that Baker Mayfield is nothing, and they faced that Ravens blitz week one, and they learned, guess what? We're just going to have to give up. If we're in a situation where we need to run the ball or we need to pass the ball, run the ball instead because that is still your best shot. And when you have Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt go over 100 yards, what has happened to the NFL? You guys aren't even excited about 200-yard rushers in the same game. Come on, guys. I know this is called too many points. I know we should be focused on the, the bets and the, the fact that they he, he, he might have made a lot of money on the side there by not letting the Browns cover there. But this is a huge performance from them, and I'm willing to take a Browns team that n- at least knows who they are. They know that we need to win this way. And it's going to end their season. There's going to be a week where they just get blown out, the run gets stopped, or at least stopped enough. But at least I know they're going to make the right play, and there's instead going to be on the Titans' side. There's going to be some games that they lose just because, hey, let's see if Tannehill can do this. And he can't. And they won't give it to Derrick Henry when they're supposed to. I trust the Browns to give it to the right people, which is that backfield, Chubb and Hunt. So if uh, I don't know what the odds are for any of that, but, yeah, I'd probably uh, end up taking the Browns there. So that's it. That's all we have for the NFL action. I made my one stupid – uh, hot take at the end. I think otherwise, I was 100%. Bobby we came can't, up. 100%. We can't. 
We can't let that slide, Mac. We know what's happening. This is a rare three-on-one handicap fish play bet of the week. We can't let that slide like we're going to let that go. Well, this, this is like a bet of the year, Mac. though. This, this one will take a while to pay well, out. The Browns do play the Titans December 6th. It, so this is we're playing a long game on this one, Mac. Mm-hmm. All right. So is that what we want to do? Like, do we want it to be who makes the playoffs? Better or, record. Be, we're gonna go better record. All right. Better record for regular season. I, I thought the whole argument was deeper postseason run, but okay. Well, play, <laughs> I mean, either one. Postseason. There's a good chance neither of these teams make the playoffs, and we're arguing semantics right now. Uh, I still think the Titans are gonna make the playoffs. I mean, maybe I have less confidence in the right. Browns, but we're gonna do a three tier. Okay. It's either who goes further. If that is either even or neither one makes it, we'll go better record. Uh, if they have the same record, we'll go who wins in the head-to-head matchup December sixth. Is that fair? All right, bet. I will not remember this within an hour, but yes, none of us I'm will. Not. We have not made any of our bets in about a year and a half. We have uh, we've been very bad about this. So that's all we have for NFL. I do want to talk NBA as quick as we can, although we're getting close to that hour mark. Uh, we were going to do college football, but unless somebody has something, I know Shane and Bobby didn't we come in. Justin, if you have anything uh, college football you want to tack on at the end, we'll do that. But I do want to talk NBA. Uh, big moves happening as they have rushed to get this season going at Christmas time. Uh, it, it seems crazy, but they're going to do it, which also means we're having the draft coming up. We're having a lot of trades happening. There's just Woj bomb after Woj bomb every second on Twitter. And right now, uh, we're going to go over uh, the three main ones for me. Uh, first, we're going to talk about Bucks pushing all the chips to the middle of the table. Uh, either Giannis has given them the wink, I'm going to sign and do all these things, or they have made some bold moves. Because if Giannis leaves, they traded away all of their future, uh, all these picks. Uh, to end up bringing in uh, Drew Holiday, which no offense to Drew Holiday, uh, that combo with Chris Middleton and what they have left there, no bench. That's not a team that's, I mean, they're in the East. They'll probably still make the playoffs. They'll probably be like a three seed. Uh, but that's not where you want to be, particularly a, a team in Milwaukee where your one chance to get a superstar is through the draft and you just gave away a bunch of picks. So I think it's a great move if Giannis stays, if he leaves. Uh, man, really bold by Milwaukee. We'll start, I know Shane's uh, our biggest NBA fan over here, although. Lakers fan, so he'll put this through the lens of what it takes for LeBron to uh, keep winning championships. But what do you think of the moves for the Bucks and what this does, particularly if Giannis does opt in, signs the the Mega Max or whatever the hell it is, and you know has this as the core, a really good starting five, particularly when you add in the trade to get uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, what do you think of the Bucks right now as they're still got Giannis waiting this out, just making them sweat? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm going to default to the hindsight analysis of whether or not Giannis stays or goes. I think, I mean, the Bucs are probably making the right call here. They say, hey, we want to make sure our star has the best chance to win it this year because that's the only way we can convince him to stay. I mean, I don't think they had to wait for him to say, give them a wink and say, hey, I'm staying. I think they said, if it, if we win a title, maybe we can convince him to stay and, and keep stay, stay with this team. And I, w- I don't follow the team for being aggressive in that regard, like just staying – and just trying to give your team the best shot and maybe your last year with him, maybe not. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not as big of an NBA fan as you've made it out to be, but I, I think it would be the right move uh, just in that regard of trying to keep him uh, potentially down the road. And maybe when he doesn't stay with him, where a bunch of people are going to say, well, I told you it was a stupid decision, but in this moment, I, I think it was the right call. Bobby, you got to have some sort of 
sports bet angle to this. What's what's uh, your biggest takeaway from uh, this move from the Bucks? And what what do you give me a percentage chance that Giannis stays in Milwaukee? Uh, let me th- zero, absolutely zero, <laughs> zero chance. Zero. It's Milwaukee. Why would you want to stay in Milwaukee? This is the NBA. The small market team is the farm system for whatever is the hipster team of the week. It's the Nets now of James Harden. But anytime I scroll through and I'm like, oh, Woj bomb, I just I have like that Squidward meme format where my eyes are closed. I scroll past it, my eyes are still closed. It's the NBA. It's like a two. Is who cares about Milwaukee? And isn't isn't Drew Holiday like on a one year expiring contract or something? Like so, yeah. We'll we'll convince you to stay, but then we also have to pay this guy a shitload of money too. So you're not. I'm like, are you going all in? You don't have a bench now. You traded away half your team for like what I thought was a middling point guard, but I'm not a huge NBA fan. I didn't. He's one of the best two way players in the NBA and is coming off one of his best seasons. So not a not a middling point guard, but when you're trying to do home run hits, maybe not. But you also don't want necessarily a ball dominant point guard when you have Giannis, who often plays point guard despite being six eleven. But then again, that shows how much I pay attention to the NBA. The only Drew Holiday I remember is I think it was on like the Suns or something. Like, no, I don't. I don't care about NBA. I'm sorry. Can we on the uh, Pelicans, actually. Yeah. Can we also? Pelicans. Can we also cut out the clip of like who wants to stay in Milwaukee? I mean, like, he just delivered some all-time like sound bites right there. That was incredible. Just just shitting on Milwaukee. Yes, we're we're hoping to piss off Milwaukee fans. That is our one goal on this podcast. Justin, uh, any big takeaways from this move? And then we'll we'll move on to another big one, which is uh, Chris Paul heading to the Suns. Well, I mean, to to be fair and honest, not not really because. Um, we know how good Milwaukee is during the regular season. So this, 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 this move is only going to really matter if the, if the Bucks really make a run in the playoffs. And their, their best chance to win it all was really last year when they were in the bubble. And they should have because they were the overall number one seed in the uh, Eastern Conference. Um, so I, 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 th- I think overall, um, I'm just – it's kind of eh. And – Drew Holiday, um, I mean, he hasn't had that great of a career. He's just kind of a, you know, he's a utility veteran kind of, you know, guard, you know. He's an all-star who is good on both <laughs> sides of the floor. What are you guys talking about? Well, I guess a they just... Utility guard? Well that, that, well, that just probably proves of how little I've seen of him. So, um but you're, you're talking NBA, Mac. Like, well, what do what you expect from us? <laughs> I and mean, it, it's not that I'm not an NBA fan. In the I, I, I am, but still, I, I, but overall, my overall point is I, I just think um, let's see how they do in the playoffs. And then we'll just kind of see if the move is right or not. If they get all the way to the NBA finals and somehow win a championship, and, you know, for, for crapping on Milwaukee. I mean, it's, 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 it's fair because uh, they really haven't been anything since the days of uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he was a buck before he was a Laker. I mean, Ray Allen was there for a while. Then he got shifted off to Seattle. I mean, they just never, never been able to keep any of their star players. So I think it's fair to, you know, crap on Milwaukee and say, who cares about them? All right. pretty, it's, pretty it's, a fair, it's a fair take. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say in this moment, I, I would mostly agree with Shane. I think you, you make the move no matter what, because your one chance of being great is to keep that superstar happy. 
you mm-hmm. lucked into a guy who what they, they they pick him like 10th or something like and for him to become a mvp who's uh you know also a defensive player of the year uh you struck gold now you have to put those players around him they made a mistake the year before letting malcolm brogdon leave and go to indiana now they're making up for it by bringing in a player who i think i would argue is better uh even if he's a utility player uh, according to some of the panelists but uh you also had, uh, well, i think all it's not even just one because it's 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 bringing in uh, Bogdan Bandanovich, which will make them have a starting lineup that is better than when they were the number one record in the league. And they have what looks like a roster. It's all about whether they mesh, but that is a roster that should be able to play better postseason basketball instead of having it where, okay, we made a wall in front of Giannis. Now let's see what Chris Middleton does. And it's 50-50 whether he shows up. Now you have another guy, Drew Holiday, whether he's a utility player or not, whatever definition we're giving him, he will not back down. He will also push Chris Middleton to not back down. And now you have three guys who will make plays. You have another good starter in Bogdanovich. So I like the move. I think it's great. I think even uh, Shane's right. Even if Giannis leaves, this move makes sense because that's the move you have to make. Even if you don't have draft picks for the next few years, that's the better option. That's the better value of doing whatever it takes to try to keep you honest, even if we know, as Bobby said, Milwaukee sucks, and it's the NBA. They're just going to have the big superstars going to leave and go to the big city. That's fine. You still have to do everything you can to keep it, and we'll see if it pays off. But uh, Chris Paul to the Suns, this is an interesting one because uh, Chris Paul has just kind of been this guy that he looks like he has too big of a contract for a you know uh, aging, you know mid-30s point guard who uh, you know never – got his team over the hump when he was in his prime, when he was making things happen. But every time he gets moved to a team, he makes them better, no matter what they say, no matter what the fit is. And this one looks a lot like the fit of Chris Paul next to James Harden. Well, this one with Devin Booker might be the perfect thing to unlock Devin Booker. And we already saw what he could do as he was fighting his way to try to get the Suns in the bubble, running off that undefeated uh, performance. And then they still were on the outside looking in. Now they are ready to move. They have a lot of key pieces. And Chris Paul seems like a perfect move. I don't have anything else to say other than, uh, yeah, I think it moves them into a position to make the playoffs, and I'll start there. Uh, Shane, uh, do you think, particularly with how loaded the the West is, that this will be the move that actually gets the Suns in the playoffs and able to you know, put up a fight against the playoff teams? Yeah, it's always hard when talking about the West, but I, I mean, maybe the East starts getting a little bit better because teams or players want to go there. I don't know. But uh, – I don't know. I mean, the Suns, obviously, when they went undefeated in the bubble, that was the whole storyline and stuff. But this is a, a team that if they believe they're young and promising, I mean, what's the harm in bringing a veteran guard like Chris Paul? Because as you alluded to, I mean, he's made places better. And I, I don't remember exactly what happened at some point this past year because it feels like 100 years ago. But he had a really smart heads up play late in the game uh, in like last November or December. And he just does those type of things uh, where you know, that for a young team, that that could be a lot. I mean, that could be, be a big deal I and mean, be the difference between making the playoffs and lose, and not making playoffs. I really don't remember what that play was. Like, I honestly can't remember. It was like a big storyline where he knew there was a rule uh, and a team shot a free throw or something like that. I don't, now I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't know either, but Chris Paul is always uh, looking for the little advantages. And uh, you add in a guy who I think the biggest problem was, okay, what do you do with a guy like Devin Booker or a guy like James Harden who – He's kind of a shooting guard, but really dominates the ball too much. Chris Paul fit perfectly next to uh, James Harden. I think the only thing that came up was them just maybe not getting along all that well. But uh, he goes next to Devin Booker. That'll be a 
a position for him where it's very similar. And I, I think that any concern that you had before, I think after two years of him just keep going to a new team and turning them into a, a playoff team, I think there's no concern for me that Chris Paul could go there and do something similar uh, with Devin Booker on the Suns. So uh, I'm not even going to ask the other two uh, about this, uh, considering their previous response on NBA, but I will go straight to Bobby about James Harden because he already had a great take about Giannis wanting to leave. When a superstar is ready to leave a podunk town like Houston, uh, do you think that uh, this makes sense? Is this just the way of the NBA, Bobby, where uh, these small market teams just can't keep their superstar and they're ready to go and uh, join up uh, with Kevin Durant and uh, and Kyrie Irving out in uh, Brooklyn? It's the way of the diva in the NBA because they know the fact that you can't win in the NBA unless you have like two or three all-stars on your team. That's just the reality of the situation. They can moan and complain, they can tank their value, and then they can get traded to whatever team they want. They should all just do every year. We should just get rid of all the rosters. Ask LeBron, like, who do you want on your team? Like, all right, the second best player left. Who do you want on your team? All right, now the rest of the shitty teams, you can get who's ever left. Congratulations. You can get like a seven seed. You don't really matter. Like that's the NBA. All right. So I will say what I'm trying to do right here, if you ever watch The Office and you know when uh, Robert California ends up wanting ideas and Kevin hits a home run and then he keeps asking him questions and like, Slowly but surely, Ryan wants to destroy that relationship. So he eventually comes in with uh, trying to take credit for Kevin's Big Mac theory. That's what I'm doing with Bobby. I want him to keep talking yeah. and realize he's just full of shit. Like, that's no, I, really, I really just despise the NBA that much because that's really what it is. Every year, it's like one or two teams. It was the Warriors. It was the Heat. It was the Cavs, et cetera. Like, I can't get excited about any league where I could probably point my finger at a team and be like, all right, that's a 90% of the time you're going to win the championship. So are you not excited about the 2020 NFL season since the Chiefs are definitely going to win the Super Bowl this year? I mean, stop <laughs> <it>. <laughs> And the NFL, you could probably somehow have, like, the Eagles make a playoff run just for the Lulz and beat, like, I don't know, the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. And, uh, like, <laughs> hypothetically, someone would be really sad about that. But that's just <laughs> hypothetical. Yeah, I forgot when, like, everybody picked Miami Heat to make it to the finals this year. Like, that was, like, an obvious bet that I know Bobby won a lot of money on this year, uh -huh. right? You got that NBA crystal ball? Uh, I got that uh, pandemic crystal ball where we all know it doesn't really count. Oh. <laughs> now you're going right across the bat for the Lakers fan up at the top corner there. Yeah. Jay, what would you like to say? Hey, in the I'm, I'm a Lakers fan, yet? too. Oh, you're oh yeah, I forgot. This is two, two, this is two, two. old. Two. Three on one right now. Tables have turned, Bobby. How does it feel? I mean, it's the NBA. You can shit on me all day, and I'll probably just be like, the Lakers still won. We thought they were going to win at the beginning of the year. That's right. That's right. You know what the, the answer is? There's like four or five teams that can win. Bobby waits till the finish, then pretends like he made the right bet. That's how Bobby watches the NBA. And so I, he, I know this because I've watched him pick the wrong teams every year. That whole time? I think like, well they they, they were supposed they should have won the second one but that's when the wasn't came Warriors Cavs for like four years and like you didn't see that coming every year. Okay, that one I saw who was in it, but if you would have picked on the second one the way that the betting lines were, you would have got it wrong, Bobby. Lost a oh. lot of money taking the King. Couldn't take down the greatest regular season team in NBA history. So 
You know, oh my my bad. History my bad my bad on that one mac i saw you know four out of four nba finals i was like oh, i'm gonna get one of the finals winners wrong like this the, the nba world shaking wow all right just remember bobby is losing by like 20 games and all the bets this year and that's on nfl where he believes he's an expert so uh, maybe don't listen to him on the nba picks either justin just to you you have uh we, we want to do college football but real fast is there anything in college football that uh, what's the big story that I want to make sure that I'm not missing out on during this podcast? Well, I'm looking forward to Bedlam this Saturday. All right. I mean, that, that's going to be, I think, who wins the Big 12. And I'm going to go with Oklahoma because Mike Gundy chokes in these games. And I think he's only, he's only beaten OU, I think, what, twice in his whole tenure at OSU. So I'm going with Boomer Sooner. I was trying to find my Mike Gundy uh, soundbite. How about that? Well, he's got it. Justin's got it for me. I don't need to find my soundboard that doesn't exist. Uh, It's not not the real thing, man. I don't have it pulled up or anything, but uh, I just thought I'd do it myself. And, of course, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, Shane, you're a college football expert. Uh, Do you agree with Justin's pick for Bedlam? Well, yeah, it's hard to bet against Oklahoma. I mean, similar to how Bobby feels about the NBA. Which, you know, he might have a point. I don't want to completely shit on him. I, I He might have a point. But, uh, yeah, I, I it's hard to bet against Oklahoma until they don't do it. And that's right. the way I, w- I would approach this. But Oklahoma State's defense was quite good, at least at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, th- there is a chance that this is going to be a very interesting game. And, and and if it ends up deciding the Big 12 title game, I mean, I mean that makes it even more interesting. But it always it always does seem interesting every year, this this particular matchup. Mm-hmm. All right, Bobby, with uh, Oklahoma as a chance to win the Big 12 after they started the year with uh, two uh, just losses that allowed huge comebacks. Uh, is, is that saying something about the, the down year of the Big 12, about the uh, pandemic season, or does it say about the resiliency of Oklahoma to, to fight their way back in after uh, having a, a year that looks nothing like what we expect from the Sooners, having those type of uh, rough uh, finishes to, to begin the season. As the uh, fellow NBA savant here, I only really dabble <laughs> in college football. But we knew the the Big 12 was dead when uh, ULL beat Iowa State at the beginning of the year. And I believe Oklahoma State just struggled to beat Kansas State. So give me Oklahoma. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh. Unfortunately. Bobby's right, my well, favorite person ever, by the way. I just want to go on record saying that. <laughs> So he's he's the worst. He's literally the worst. <laughs> I missed a compliment, uh, I think, because I was saving my dog from choking. Well, that's the only good thing you've done today. So uh, <laughs> I'll just I'll just say that that uh, I'm gonna take Oklahoma State. I'm gonna uh, what's the line right now? Mm. What, what, I, I don't have I anything. Pulled up. I'll, I'll try to pull it up here and see what it is here. But Let's like, I, if, it, if it's decent, I think I'll take Oklahoma State. Well, you just asked us outright who is going to win. So. Well, I mean, in this case, when we're now making picks, okay. so it's 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 Oklahoma. They're a seven point favorite. Yeah, seven I'll take Oklahoma favorite. State definitely against the spread. Mm. I would say I'd take them outright, but uh, I'm not that stupid. So, it, uh, hey, what do you guys got as we go around enormous. the table? Uh, you guys picked Oklahoma to win, but when you got the spread, uh, where do we land at? Shane, you first. I'll just lay the points. I I. It may seem like a lot to the rest of them, and so I'll lay the points and feel like I'm the only one doing that, so I'll be wrong. All right, 
Justin? I, oh. Well, I'm not going with the points. I'm just going to go with the history. I'm going to go with um, it being in Norman. It's not in Stillwater, but I don't think it really matters where it's at. I, think, I just think Oklahoma's going to win, period. All right, Bobby? I'm going to I'm gonna lay down the seven points, and I'm going to lay down the fish fillet on this one. <laughs> this is a McRib bet. This is oh, this McRib. McRib. The McRib's McRib back? I don't know. It should be. All right. <laughs> this one doesn't pay out until the McRib returns. All right, transition us into the most low-energy segment of them all, Mac. Oh, that's going to be on Thursday, man. Oh, Thursday? Okay, wow. No, we ain't got time. We ain't got time for bets right now. So that's uh, all we have for this edition of the Too Many Points Pod or Too Many Points Show on the Tell Me More podcast. Bobby will be back on Thursday. Hopefully, he'll probably not wake up, and then I'll. It's a 50-50 bet whether you'll have Bobby's hypothetical sports bet or you will have uh, the most electrifying segment in all of podcast entertainment. You will have Mac Moore's fast action sports bets where my voice gets louder than it already is for the excitement of the fans. So turn your speakers down. I swear to God, I do not. You can't sue me if I blow out your eardrums. I have no money. That's it. That's all we have for this episode. Catch us on Thursday. Uh, we're hoping for the same time, but honestly, you'll be lucky to have us show up whenever we do. That's all we have this time. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I have no idea how to shut this down right now. <laughs> the, best, the end of the podcast is always good. <laughs>